0: you're listening to future thinking from stylus the show where our analysts alongside industry thought leaders unpack the big trends you need to know about find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com
1: hello and welcome to future thinking from stylus i'm your host christian ward head of brand engagement and multimedia strategy at stylus Today's episode features a session from our three-day virtual conference, the Stylist Trends Intelligence Summit, which was held earlier in October. In this session, I'm joined by four fantastic guests, Mary Alderete, Chief Marketing Officer at Gap, Latia Curry, Principal at Rally, an issues-driven communications firm that helps brands and businesses achieve a legacy of positive change. Ashley Spillane, founder and president of Impactual, a social impact consulting firm committed to helping companies create meaningful change, and Maxwell Zoric, Senior Director of Social Impact at MTV and Comedy Central. We discuss the responsibilities brands have in taking a stand and impacting their communities, with particular focus on the upcoming US election, but also looking at many of the other issues that have impacted society over the course of this challenging year. I hope you enjoy it. I would like to start with a statistic. 54% of Americans say encouraging people to vote is a meaningful way that brands can get involved in elections, and only 21% say brands should not get involved at all. So to start with, Ashley, why do you think consumers are looking to brands now, not just for guidance in this election cycle, but in support of all kinds of social and political issues this year?
0: Well, I think you know, democracy is trending right now and people are really paying attention in a big way and they want to both channel that energy into activation, but also see The places that they buy from, their employers actually get involved and speak up as well. And so, you know, you're seeing this growing number of people calling on the companies that they work for and the companies that they shop with to do something, to be a part, to make a positive contribution and and help out. And I think, you know, as it relates to the election specifically, there are a ton of ways you can do that in a nonpartisan way, you know, not pushing one candidate over the other, but really empower people to understand that they can make their voice heard and, you know, especially given the rise of of, of COVID over the last few months, make sure they have the information they need in order to, to navigate some of the election changes that have happened.
1: Do you feel that there is a gap that brands are filling because there is a lack of trust or or a decrease in trust in certain of the institutions that we used to rely on maybe i could i could ask latia to to ask
2: answer that yeah i mean i guess it, it it's a gap that it's also an expectation i think in the moment that we live in now it it it's almost a negative to not be participating in the conversation the ability to be silent doesn't exist anymore and i think particularly when you're talking about millennials and Gen Z, they're expecting the brands that they love and support to participate in the conversation and have a say, take stances. And so it's not surprising to me that brands are doing that. And in fact, like I said, I think it's expected. I think if anything, it's looked poorly upon if they don't. So it's just part of how consumers, I think, view the brand space today. And that's one of the expectations of brands in that climate.
1: Mary, what are your thoughts here? Because obviously Gap started in a very activist time and was sort of galvanized and and catalyzed by that back in 69. Perhaps in the last couple of years, not known so much for, for taking a stance, but now you are you are sort of bringing that spirit back perhaps you could talk a little bit about that
3: yeah definitely first i would agree with the with the thought that engaging engagement is expected i just don't think that people can sit on the sidelines whether you're a consumer or a brand everyone is expected to engage and And I think consumers are looking to brands who are aligned with their core values. So I agree, it doesn't necessarily have to be picking a side per se, but people want to know what you stand for and they want to be able to align with the brands that are aligned with their values. So yeah, I think it's a critical role that brands can play to use their platforms to amplify others' voices, um, which is one way of doing it, to provide the resources and information because there are so many... Gen Zs who are voting for the first time, it'll be their first election. And it's complicated. (laughs) And so having the the resources and having the partners like Rock the Vote or When We All Vote to be able to give them a, a forum to find out more is really important. And so that's the role that our brand was trying to play. As you said, in 69, it was quite a time of civic engagement in many ways. It's hard to believe 50 years later that we're in this same... Uh, sort of cultural zeitgeist again, and so we felt it was important to pivot to the brand values and use our platform.
1: Yeah, you make an interesting point there, Mary, about how complicated it is in some respects, and how, especially for younger uh, voters, there is a, a, a need for clarity. Maxwell, I wonder whether you could speak to to that a little bit in terms of how you're approaching what is a very complex time from the perspective of you know pop culture for 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 a younger audience.
4: Yeah, I think I could just really agree with with Mary that we just, there's just, you know, Gen Z and millennials are the largest voting Black now. And I think they're really realizing that political power. You know, they're building movements around issues really at a speed and a scale that, w- that wasn't just, it just wasn't possible, you know, a decade or two ago. And so that's what, you know, they're coming into this with, that the, just this realization of the kind of power that they have. But... Yeah, also to, oh, so to Mary's point is that, you know, they're seeing celebrities, are seeing their brands get engaged, but they also kind of lack some of that information. They're, they're doing this for the first time, They're first time voters. And so what we're trying to do at MTV and Comedy Central is to kind of meet them where they are with that content in a way, whether that's funny or whether that's through an issue that they care about, but then quickly direct them to where they can request a ballot or find their early voting location like young people are f- are fired up, you know. I saw data this week that something like 25% of people between 18 and 24 attended a march or a rally in the last year, which is huge. And it's all about whether you know is that kind of enthusiasm going to convert to the ballot box? And I think all the signs are pointing toward that. But we at MTV and Comedy Central are trying to find ways to make sure that that happens. And so, it's just one example of what we're doing is we helped. Pulled together a new kind of national holiday called Vote Early Day. It's actually this Saturday, October 24th. We're working with 2,500 brands, but all kind of trying to focus that energy and through through every brand's kind of own voice and own, own, own way, but doing that in a kind of coordinated uh, way to get everyone focusing on young people and voting early on Saturday. So that's just kind of one example of, of what we're doing.
1: Fantastic. I mean, and this actually goes to my next point quite nicely. I mean, you have a great statistic there that you just mentioned, and I have one here. About seventy-seven percent of Americans describe themselves as engaged with the U.S. politics, and among eighteen to twenty-nines, voting increased by seventy-nine percent in twenty eighteen in the midterms. So I think you know the key question here is how do you speak to this younger generation in a way that's both plugged into the cultural conversation, but also sensitive and self-aware, because clearly this is a very, they are a very online generation and they're a generation with a lot of savvy about, you know, cultural issues and they are moving that conversation along themselves in many respects. So how as a brand do you tap into that sensitively? Maybe Latia, we could start with you.
2: Sure. So yeah, this new generation, they're looking for receipts and they're looking for authenticity genuine communication. So on some level, I think it's pretty easy when you focus on those two pillars. I think the crafted sort of premeditated marketing messages of yesteryear will not land because they wanna know two things. And and those two things to me are the framework for doing this effectively. One is issue fluency. So are you communicating from a place that demonstrates a real understanding of what you're talking about, of the players, of the landscape, of the nuances of the insights. A lot of brands who have done poorly at this speak out, they want to take a stance, they dip their toe in the water, but they're not actually sure of the landscape and that ends up leading them to some mistakes in terms of what they're saying or their partnerships, etc. cetera. So I think that issue fluency may not be sexy, but it's actually a core step to being able to even determine what actions you should be taking as a brand because now you know what the issues are and the right levers to pull. I think the second part of it is structural investment. So doing real work, real impact. Again, not just talking, but how are you actually investing in the change that you want to see and that you're talking about, whether that's not just money, but also supports in terms of programming, how you're looking at your internal structures, how you're changing, how your company operates. All of those things are things that, people look for it now in order to back up the stance that you're taking and so I think when you have those two things in play it's a lot easier to communicate effectively to that audience because those are the things that they're looking for. Yeah Maxwell
1: maybe you could uh, talk a little bit about that too because obviously you are you know you are part of the world that's generating some of the cultural content that is, you know, being uh, consumed by this audience. So, how do how do you and, and the teams that you work with keep on top of, of this sort of accelerated culture?
4: Yeah, no, I think that's such a great point that Latia made. It's just that you know when you're when you're thinking about hiring your social impact teams, your marketing teams, or wherever this work lives, you have to think about the people you're hiring who understand how to how to get understand politics, understand power, understand how to how to get issues and move them forward. These aren't just marketing campaigns. They're really about achieving a social mission and a social uh, impact goal, which isn't going to be a one year. It's not going to be a quarter. Uh, It's going to take five or 10 years or probably more. And so I think a lot of the brands that do this work well, pick an issue or set of issues that they really want to invest in and look at it over a long-term process. And what we do on our side is we kind of divide our team into different issues. And so we focus on civic engagement, mental health and social justice and racial justice. And we've hired our teams and and people along those teams who understand those issues, care about those issues, and really get to know the partners and and people who work in that space. That's what helps to make us do the best work we can and hopefully be successful.
1: Ashley, when when you work with clients, especially brands, what what are the questions that they're asking of you in terms of how to to sort of understand this this generation? Do, do you do you have sort of specific strategies or, or tactics that you employ when you're working with brands in this way?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what Max was saying about making sure that you have very clear goals and that you are leaning on folks who work in these industries. A lot of what we do is making sure that folks are setting setting those clear goals and making sure you know for example if if they're interested in working on the upcoming election there are so many different ways you can measure your impact whether that's the number of people you've registered to vote the number of people you've Delivered to the polls, the number of people who have requested absentee and early uh, votes. You know, a lot, Matt, Max was talking about Vote Early Day, which is coming up on the 24th on the Saturday. You know, there is a lot of measurement going into that initiative. It's not just about changing the cultural conversation, it's also about implementing ways that that you can see the success that you're having, which also speaks to, I think, how companies are able to then justify the expense and inform keeping these initiatives ongoing. You know, you can point to success that you've had and real impact and also demonstrate the the level of um, engagement. It's pretty critical. I mean, I will say some, you know, A lot of this is forward-facing and consumer-facing, but it doesn't have to be. A lot of it can also be internal. I mean, change really does start at home. And so focusing, a lot of companies get started in this work, focusing just on their internal engagement, not worried about press, not worried about reaching a broader audience, but really trying to understand from the employees what they can do to be most supportive and helpful. And I think there are also ways to measure that as well.
1: Yeah that's a really key key point and I'd like to I would like to come back to that in a minute but just staying on on this point and and finishing with Mary I'd be interested because obviously you know Gap Gap to a certain extent Gap has has marketed itself to a younger audience quite a lot over the past few decades it's and I wonder as you took the reins of of Gap's marketing 18 months ago did you think about I mean I guess the question is, how different is this generation to market to than what came maybe two or three years ago before? Because obviously we've we've seen over the past year or two, you know, the rise of things like Extinction Rebellion, Greta Thunberg, and obviously the influence of things like TikTok. This is a different generation, or is it a different generation? I mean, maybe maybe there are, maybe the changes between Gen Z and millennials and so on are, are aren't, aren't that great but I I'd, I'd be interested in in hearing your viewpoint about how you would you approach this generation from a from a gap perspective.
3: Yeah, I mean I think what's interesting is if you so if you think about the the youngest generation is always the most driven generation. I feel like that's been how it was, you know. For decades now, right? I'm embarrassed to say I was around when Rock the Vote first came out. <laughs> you know, when you think about who was sitting on the Berlin Wall in their Levi's, or wh- what what generations tend to be the most driven, I feel like it starts with the younger generations, and then they continue to carry that baton forward. That's why you are seeing even the Greta Thunbergs of the world who are not even of voting age. We did a campaign called Be the Future at Gap, which is not about talking to this generation, but it's about turning the mic over to them you cannot push content at, at this generation. they are creating their own so we were partnering with you know the founders of Earth Uprising and one million of us you know two teenagers who at the time weren't even able to vote but they weren't waiting to to get the right to vote they, they were creating these organizations to fight climate change or to encourage voting and to get people versed on the issues for that issue fluency. So I think the generational, I think what's accelerated about this younger generation is just they are maybe more engaged and they have bigger platforms that just weren't around, you know, decades or even even 10 years ago. So that's why when uh, I actually only took over Gap about eight months ago, not 18 months, but it feels like it. coming into this election year my creative partner and I we we took all the marketing in-house because we wanted to be able to have that authenticity right we wanted to create a narrative for change that was unique to our brand's core values so as I said before it's not really each brand will make their decision if you choose a side like Patagonia or whatever or you're going to just do what's right for your values and our values have always been about bridging the gap between generations and cultures so we wanted to create that narrative for change that would be a cry for unity and equality and that was just on february 1st and then you know the pandemic hit and then the escalating social injustices hit and so it was really important to craft that narrative as we as we went along with consistency right i love the idea of issue fluency and then but also consistency this isn't something you try on like a a marketing shtick, and then you get tired and move on. We had to do it with our Stand United campaign, and then our holiday campaign launched today. And how do I go after holiday, which is potentially, well, not potentially, it is the most commercial retail time of the year, and not abandon the core values. And so we had to keep that narrative going around unity, and our dream the future was about literally igniting people with the words that would define a better tomorrow. So it's a long sort of way of saying that you can't push content at this generation. They're going to co-create it with you. The whole point is to open up your big platforms to give their voices amplification, create that narrative. That's authentic to your core values and then keep, keep it consistent. Keep it going. Don't just sort of walk away. You know, if it gets tough, especially when the tough, when the tough part comes. Well, yeah, I mean, the one thing,
1: Sorry, go ahead. One Ashley. thing
3: I would just say on what Mary saying, she's
0: totally right about the can't push content, but I want to underscore how important it is to push information, yeah. which Gap and, and Viacom both do incredibly well because there's a way to turn the mic over and also lend expertise and platforms to folks that that get the critical information out there.
3: Yeah, the resources... If you have to are, weave the two. The resources are important, and that's the whole engagement part of the marketing mm-hmm. mix, which is you've got to talk the talk, but also walk the walk and giving those resources is why we actually partner with both when we all vote and rock the vote because they each have different tools, right? And so one was a voter registration drive and the other was more about platforms and in and, and these COVID times, where, when do you have to register to vote by mail? Because, you know, it's not, it's not a usual election. And then the last thing I would say on the internal structure, which was one of the most exciting things we did at Gap Inc., was Power the polls. I mean, the people who normally work the polls are are retired people or older people. They are people who are at high risk for COVID. And we're in another surge here. So the idea that the polls might not be staffed appropriately. So we are paying our our employees who want to work the polls their their days pay to work the polls so that we have the right resources to actually let people exercise their vote.
1: Fantastic. Just to stay with you briefly, Maria, because I, I want to talk to you about – I want to talk to all of you, really, about what, you were, what you're talking about there in terms of, of a values-based approach for, for brands. You know, it makes it makes moral sense, ethical sense, you know, emotional sense, and those are very important parts of, of brand building. But, of course, you have to make it make commercial sense, too, I suppose, if you're trying to convince your, your C-suite that it's a good idea to, to take a stand. Um, not asking you to go into a huge amount of detail, but how do you convince the people with the money that this is the way forward?
3: Yeah, how do you get the CFO in on it? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> it's you know I think sometimes people think it's counterintuitive that if you were to build brand affinity through a campaign that was about your values, that it might not sell product. And I, I just fundamentally believe that the opposite. Even more so now, I do really think Gen Z and Gen Y are so values oriented. And what we're seeing with our Stand United campaign, we ran that in September, we're seeing huge engagement. We're seeing engagement rates that are higher than the product videos we aired a year ago on denim. We're seeing that awareness um, and that relevance flow all the way through to the bottom of the funnel with conversion and performance media. So it really is about the mix. It's not like you abandon your fiscal responsibility to sell product that's not the case it's about the mix so if i'm leading with my values work i'm then going further down in the media mix to sell product you know and to, to give them the solutions that they need from our brand so it's all about the mix and and getting that mix and that balance of the media right Maxwell, I,
1: I'd be interested in your perspective on this because I, I imagine, you know, you are working with companies, two companies that can take a lot more risks than perhaps, you know, a, a gap can. But nonetheless, you know, you have to know where the line is. Increasingly, it seems difficult for, for anybody to stay neutral in this kind of environment and atmosphere that we're in. Is there a line for you guys? And, and if so, you know, what, what, makes, it, what makes it
4: work? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think I'm really lucky to work at CBS where this is so deeply entrenched in our values of both civic engagement, but also across the brands at CBS, like deep work around representation in media and social justice and, and a ton of issues. And I think, you know, from our teams, when we go to the head of our network with ideas like he often wants us to go bolder and bigger because, as, as we've been talking about, this isn't a moment to really sit on the sidelines. And some of the things that we've done over the last few years, I would have never mentioned, never imagined that they would be be greenlit. But I think that it's like the kind of stuff where you're just doing, you know, the the lowest barrier kinds of things. They, they don't get attention. They still take effort, but they don't they don't get attention. They don't hit your audi- audience. You're, you're not kind of meeting them with what they care about, what they want to be thinking or talking about. So, you know, I think I'm lucky in that we work at a few, a few brands that can kind of push the envelope and are known for their work in, in, in politics and, and civic engagement. And so we, we, yeah, we, we we're constantly trying to push the line and we haven't, we haven't quite found it yet, but we are, yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's something that you kind of have to lean into what's uncomfortable and you kind of have to give up something. You have to prove to your audience or consumers that you're kind of, you're, you're putting in some self-inflicted kind of wound that. That you're really, your, your skin is in the game and you really care about this issue and want to see something happen on that issue.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point about having skin in the game. And, and, and it, I guess it it relates to the point that we've been talking about quite a bit, actually, over the course of the last 25 minutes about, you know, internal change and getting your own house in order. I suppose would be one way of putting it as really the most important part of, of being a, a values led brand. So. Perhaps, Latia, you know, I'd be interested in, in hearing from you, you in terms of what kind of systemic and structural change should brands be focusing on internally? What can, you know, what can they do and what should they be doing to be better?
2: Yeah. So, like you said, I mean, I think in, in the work that we do with brands, this is the most important part. There are lots of great ideas about how to engage externally. But it's hard for that to mean a lot when the internal house is not in order, or at least in process. And knowing that there's no like end date where, you know, we've nailed it, we got it, we're perfect inside, but more about like this ongoing evolution and process of developing that. I think having leadership that really gets it is really important. It's very hard for this to carry through. When I speak about this issue, the number one question I get after talks is like, can you help me sell this into our CEO? Can you help me sell this into our department head? Because if there's no leadership buy-in, it actually doesn't happen. I think when it comes to the policies That even some of my fellow panelists are talking about when I hear about like paying for people to work at the polls or thinking about hiring and who you hire and making sure they have issue fluency and expertise, those are the kinds of things that embed this in the organization and I think You know, when I look at brands that do this well, they're not shy about the commitment they have, the goals they're trying to achieve internally. They often share that externally. So there's a high level of transparency around that that keeps them accountable. So I think those are the key things that come to mind for me that help make this a structural change internally, but then able to be flexible because as we all have been saying, these issues, everything changed so much this year. And everyone who called me in June saying, hey, can you help me like solve racism by the end of the summer, they were caught flat-footed because they didn't have these processes internally embedded. And so now they're approaching it in a kind of marketing way and like a reactionary way. And you never want to be in that position. So this is like, again, it's not the sexiest part of the work, but it's so critical and foundational to being able to do the cool, impactful, big, bold things like my fellow panelists are talking about.
1: Yeah, Ashley, maybe I imagine you have sort of these sorts of conversations with clients too. What kind of, what kind of sort of uh, conversations are you having about how to ensure that this has long lasting effects internally?
0: Yeah, I mean, so I think that the from a civic engagement perspective, if we're talking specifically about this election, it's actually just not about this election. We have had a growing crisis in our democracy in terms of civic participation for decades now. You know, you have anywhere between 40 and 60 percent of the population sitting out any given election in America and most of those folks are you know end up in under underrepresented communities, people of color, young people who aren't being fairly represented in in our government. And so I think what you're seeing right now is a turning point with people who want to help address that and and it's it's a tipping point where you know the goal isn't just to do get through twenty twenty it's to build a culture of voting in this country for the long haul. and I think the good news is, as Mary was saying, people have realized that democracy is good for business actually that there are and i think that's great if it also benefits it, it benefits the country and our institutions and gives people the power that they need to self-govern that's amazing and it can also be good for business and i think that a lot of the ways that you're seeing companies engage you know demonstrate that i i will say For folks who either don't have a program going yet or have been hesitant to get in, I wrote a case study for Harvard following the 2018 election looking at a myriad of companies and what they did in the 2018 election, Gap was one of them, to help understand that there are so many different levels of engagement you can get into. And one of my favorite anecdotes from this was one of the companies said, well, we don't have buy-in at the at the we didn't have buy-in at the C-suite level until our CEOs started going to our different offices around the country and seeing our employees setting up their own voter registration booth. And so, I just I will say for folks here who are thinking about how do we get, you know, our C-suite on board or you know translate the energy that is from within. It's just about making sure you're lifting up those voices from the employees and making sure that they are seeing where that energy is because it's definitely there and there is a ton that can be done. And, you know, we're in the last 14 days of this particular sprint. It's not too late to do something now that's authentic and on brand, even if it's as simple as an email to your employees echoing, you know, what we've been talking about, you know, what's your brand value and how do you express that in this moment? all the way to giving people the day off, promoting it on social media, things like that. So I would just say, you know, Max talked about vote early day, which is on Saturday, election day is the third, third is the last day to cast your ballot, not the first time, not the day to vote. So lots of opportunities between now and then to, to help lift that up in whatever way feels authentic and then gives you a springboard for the future.
1: thank you i have another another question that i'd like to ask to all of you i guess but maybe we can start with with mary clearly the election is not the end of our woes you know many issues that have become ingrained over the past um couple of years misinformation polarization lack of trust in in institutions you know they're becoming deeply ingrained so how should brands be preparing for the next few months and, and next year? You know, what what can they learn from this year and take forward positively?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's like we're already looking ahead to even November 3rd. And what is the sentiment that should be shared on that day? Like some people are going to be really happy. Well, maybe it'll be the fifth or however long it takes to count all the balance that will be mailed in this year. I don't think it's going to necessarily be the result at 10 p.m. you know being called on CNN and Fox but i think we're looking you know ahead already to what is that narrative around unity because when you when you think about it the power of america was always the foundation of the democracy and i think it's interesting the idea of democracy is trending democracy you know the idea that people that you have a voice and you should use it to define the way this country operates. And so much has accelerated even in the last 12 to 24 months. I mean, we have three Supreme Court justices. Okay. That's, that's almost unprecedented under any single president. I think it might actually be a record to actually have three open up in one term, but people have to understand what does it mean to appoint a Supreme Court justice? And, you know, it's just, it's, it is the long haul. It is what is the cultural zeitgeist? What is the pulse? And how do you turn your brand narrative to be relevant in that moment? And for us, our, our whole platform is Modern American Optimism, which I think must sound completely naive at this moment because, you know, optimism is actually the hope that things can change to be better. It's not about just being happy in the moment. And so we are constantly looking for what is the culturally relevant expression of that optimism? And how do we engage people to know that we can create a narrative around change that is better for everyone tomorrow? So it's unity and equality. And that actually, if you think about it, harmony cannot actually happen unless many different voices are raised together. That is the true definition of being in harmony. You can't achieve at least an interesting one unless you have you know, every octave represented, every style of voice. So. That's really where i'm I feel fortunate and blessed that we don't have to convince anybody in our c-suite our our new CEO Sonia single is just she is a brand power brand values led CEO she's challenging us more I can't even keep up like how many how many big good ideas can you come up with and so when you have that conviction and that support, then it really is all about spending the time with the right partners and the right marketing platforms to bring those ideas as you say you know Christian in an interesting way out to the culture because everyone can be a culture shaper and we just want to facilitate that
1: well yeah that's a great lovely way of putting it a culture shaper and and actually maxwell you know you and your work are, are shaping culture as much as reacting to it i suppose you know and i would be interested to hear sort of as much as anybody can plan ahead at the moment for 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 what's next what sort of what sort of ideas and trends are you tapping? Are you thinking you'll be tapping into over the next few months?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is to get through this election. As Mary alluded to, this might be a long uh, process. And so would encourage companies to, to visit resources like the Civic Alliance or other organizations that are working with companies to help them figure out how are you going to message during and after the election if we don't know the results? Uh, that might be a moment where we're kind of left trying to decide what's next. So we're, we're still thinking about this election, but, you know, I've started to think about beyond that, and I've just noticed in this election cycle how many companies, to Ashley's point, are starting to take those higher barrier kind of actions as a company, you know, doing more than just registration and doing turnout, doing creative initiatives, doing strong partnerships. And I think, like, the next frontier in this work is for companies to get even deeper into the voting rights work, to really think about, you know, what, what is the access and how are we making it easier for people to vote? We spend, you know, every two years, every four years getting people registered, trying to get them to turn out. But there's a lot of structural things that, that, that we can be doing to make it actually easier to vote in this country. And what we're seeing during this election is that counties and states that make it easy to vote have higher turnout. And I think, like, that's kind of, I think, the next frontier for brands is really getting deeper into that work. So we don't have to be just asking people to register to vote every four years or, or what have you.
1: I guess in some respects Mary you've talked a little bit about this already in terms of your unity message but is there a sense that I guess I'd be interested in hearing a little bit just as we near the end about sort of long term goals how how can we how can we keep this message how can we continue to keep this message out there
3: I think another possibility just to speak to what Ashley was saying is just you you have to break it down into sort of manageable chunks like It's really because it is such a marathon, you can't be sitting there on mile one, trying to like, or how I am on my spin bike. I don't think I'm going to make it through even 30 minutes. (laughs) I don't choose a 60 minute class. I choose a 30 minute class and I make that progress. And then I get that badge and I keep moving. So I think you just have to be able to break it down. And then I think, again, I just keep coming back to bringing people together. One of the, like I said, Jerome, who was the founder of 1 Million of Us, who worked with us on Be the Future on the kids campaign. He, We did a voter registration live stream on Instagram with one of the ambassadors from When We All Vote. And he came up with yet another idea to have, you know, for all those kids who missed their prom because they couldn't get their prom in their senior year and they're voting for the first time, he invented prom at the polls, which was a brilliant idea because it's really not as drudgery as it seems like. Get in your best, finest clothes and bring your date, which was a brilliant idea because it means you're bringing along another person. You're making another impact you're having fun doing it it just has to be something that is not so overwhelming and i totally appreciate the fatigue and the almost being overwhelmed which is why i think the mental health issue fluency is important people just are are overwhelmed and they it almost seems like you can't make a difference but you can and then the last thing i would say which you know might sound you know when you hear about what other politicians say, you know, what John Lewis was saying, what Obama and Hillary was saying. Like when you see young people actually getting involved, when you see younger people in those roles as congressmen and senators or women, senators, or even local mayors and things, you see that we have to somehow change the demographics of the leadership of this country to be more representative of who we all are and that's age and race and orientation and everything. So I mean, I know it was a hard fought primary this year but I think we had the most diversity I'd seen in sort of my lifetime in terms of who those candidates were. So I think taking it taking it one piece at a time and just eventually getting to that progress but ultimately we're going to need something that's more representative of who we are.
1: Well, thank you so much. I'm really sorry that we've run out of time. In fact, I'm over time and I'm getting shouted at. So I, <laughs> I apologize for having to end it there. I'd love to have continued talking for much longer. But thank you so much for joining us and see you soon. Thank you very much.
4: You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends that you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. If you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as
3: they're available.